0: Hello and welcome to the Whole Out of Nothing Podcast. My name is Roland Prince, and across the couch from me is Jamie Lee. And to my left, on the across the couch on the other side, is my boy, Ben.
1: Uh hello. Yes, Ben is our very first guest on the Whole Out of Nothing podcast. The first one. The first Very feature. first. How how does the honor feel? Honestly, man, I was stoked. Yeah. Wow, that was he so was, profound. Damn, so deep.
2: I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be deep about
1: it. Yeah, no. So basically, I was talking to RJ the other day and I was like I think we should have a guest on the show, and we were trying to think of somebody. And within about two seconds, I was like, "Oh, Ben, Ben!" Because anytime you speak with Ben, now that was m- my turn. Aha, he hit was, the microphone. That was this my time. turn hitting the mic. Uh, but any anytime you have a conversation with Ben, you're guaranteed one a laugh and two some really profound thinking.
2: I feel like that puts me under a lot of pressure right now. Yeah, but this podcast. you
1: just—you yeah. just
2: told everybody that I'm going to say some interesting shit when I might not at all. I mean, I think you're off
1: to a good start. This isn't You'll terrible. Be You'll be
2: fine. But anyway,
0: Ben is one of our good friends. He's a smart guy. Uh, he's going to be in a, a fantastic mechanical engineer in the future. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, and so this is another. <laughs> this is another one of those podcasts. Nothing was discussed before Nothing. we came. Ben, how much
2: were you aware of what we were going to be talking about today at all? To be honest, at the point like when you called me up, I was like. Oh shit, you know, if I'm gonna be on this podcast, I gotta like look up to something. Like, do we have a topic? Do I gotta go on Google and just like hammer this out? And you're like, no. <laughs> I want you to do absolutely no preparation beforehand. I, I listened to the first episode and that's that's all I got. That's all the background I have for this. Didn't you listen to like 20 minutes of the second? I don't know. I was doing homework at the same time. Wow, so you're tuning us out? Rude. Actually, honestly, <laughs> yo, it, it went the other way. It went the other way. I was I was actually pretty engaged with what you guys were saying. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Now, I think we're going to start
1: with some story time. So, Ben and I, two years ago, went to Whistler Mountain on a ridiculous mountain biking trip. We went there solely, pretty much for the purpose of downhill mountain biking in one of the world's best destinations to do it. Full week. It was probably like the best week of our lives. Would you agree?
2: It's up there. For yeah, sure. it's
1: it's it's definitely top three or five. Now. There's a little story um, of one of the times we had there, where Chef Chef Ben and Chef Jamie got cooking. So uh, I'll I'll leave it to you to explain some of the story because it's funny.
2: Oh my God! So Jamie and I, being the smart asses we are, right? This is a good travel tip. If you stay somewhere with a kitchen, you know you can save money because you don't have to go out as much. Yes. To get your food. That's what Jamie and I did. You know we had a little, little hotel room with a kitchenette. Kitchenette. <laughs> that's, that's what it's called. It's a kitchenette. Because it's a small kitchen. Yes. Okay. That is Fair. exactly get, why it's called but, a kitchenette. Archie, get off your phone. This, man this is playing a... archery right now. No, no, it's get fine. off your
1: boy. Get off your phone. This is this is what the second podcast, third podcast in a row that you're on your phone at some point playing archery. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Okay. If what I, was it? Hey, if I lose this game,
0: I owe this girl like homemade banana bread.
1: Yeah, so, and you can play that in an hour when this podcast is done. Well, like I already started the game, but it's okay. I just like wiped the floor with her. Okay, and now 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 you're done. Cause we got we gotta have you paying attention here. We're we're in story time. Story time. Okay, so back back to this. So yes, basically we'll have with Ben and I, we we're like, okay, so what we gotta do? We gotta save our money. And how are we gonna do this? Well we're gonna cook our own food. So we went to the grocery store, which is like a two minute walk from where we were In Whistler Village, we went, we got like three steaks, got a bunch of potato wedges, my favorite sun-dried tomato and oregano dressing, we got Doritos, we got a bunch of stuff for breakfast in the mornings, we got eggs, we got milk, we got cereal, we got a ton of stuff to last us the whole week so that we'd have to pay as minimal for food as possible, which didn't necessarily work because we went to Peaked Pies three times, which is probably like the best pies you'll ever have in your life, so pro tip, if you're in Whistler Mountain, go to Peaked Pies. Probably the best meat pie you'll have in your entire life. Now back to Ben. So we were in the kitchen. What were we doing? All right. Well,
2: I don't think Jamie knows how to cook. To be entirely honest, that's a fact. So we get back. I I struggle with ice. We get back (laughs) with our groceries and like, all right, Ben, you can make these steaks, right? Sure. Okay. First thing I go to do is season the meat. That's what you do. And we realize, wait, we didn't actually get any spices. No salt, no pepper, nothing. Nothing. We just had the Doritos. <laughs> we just, we just had the Doritos.
1: So then my idea was like, you know what? We have a mortar and pestle. We're just gonna crush up all these Doritos, and we're just gonna slap it right on so the steak. So you're steaks. telling
0: me this kitchenette came with a mortar and pestle, but no salt and pepper? Yeah,
2: exactly. All right. <laughs> Did we have a mortar and pestle?
1: Yes, I specifically – because I, I specifically remember we had a mortar and pestle, and I go and I took a, ha- a couple handfuls of Doritos, tossed it in the mortar and pestle, started crushing them all up, and we just slapped these onto the steaks. And I was and I remember us both saying, like, there's enough – I keep hitting the mic. There's enough stuff in this to, to give some flavor to, to the beef. So naturally we're like, okay, this is so going to work. There was no doubt in our minds that this wasn't going to work. It wasn't... We weren't hesitating. We were like, oh my god, I can't I. It was more so out of curiosity of to what how good it would taste as opposed to questioning whether or not it would actually taste nice.
2: Yeah, well, the the thing is salt, right? Like, yeah. if you're only going to make meat with one ingredient for seasoning, it's it's salt. You need salt. Doritos are salty. Yes. So that's, that's why we thought it would be okay. So I, I seasoned the steaks with these crushed up Doritos. Hold on, for the people listening, what kind of Doritos? Just nacho na- cheese. Nacho. Classic. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Not, I, would, I would have gone with a sweet chili heat myself if I, if I was like, had to choose. I'm pretty conservative when it
2: comes to my Doritos, so I kind of just stick with nacho. Yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Sweet chili heat. Yeah, that would get my vote as well. We didn't buy the Doritos with the intention of putting them on the steak. That was not what we did. No.
1: No, we just had them as snacks.
2: Anyway. Next step, <laughs> put some oil in the pan. Guess what else we forgot? Oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the oiliest thing we got on hand
1: was the sun-dried tomato and oregano dressing, which its base ingredient is what? Uh, sun-dried uh, tomato and oregano? No, it's olive <laughs> oil. <laughs> yeah. So we had we had this dressing, and I was like, you know what? Now we're just loading it up. We got Dorito flavor. We got sun-dried tomato and uh, oregano dressing. We got all this concoction of fantastic flavors. There's no possible way the steak is going to go wrong. So then our next decision was like, you know what? If we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. And so we we had a 2-liter bottle of Okanagan cider at 6% that we picked up for $8 because we were like, you know what? I had a recommendation that Okanagan was the cider to get. We get it, and we just have a a drink every time we uploaded a Snapchat, which was probably about fifty or sixty Snapchats of the whole story. And uh, yeah, it it was, uh, it was a it was this
2: a this man got adventure. too drunk to go in the hot tub. I barely got him down the stairs. Oh, we,
1: got, we got we got
2: we were in the hot tub. I just had to let the Doritos in my.
1: Well, if you so. did get into the hot tub that night, would you have remembered it? I do. I specifically remember it. Are you sure it was that night? Yes, 100%. Wow. Okay, so, yeah, that's kind of a little introduction to Ben, Eric, or Ben, a.k.a. Eric, a.k.a. Jones Green, at Going Amateur on Instagram, if you care to look him up, because he is an interesting character. And RJ had one topic of conversation that we are going to mention and talk about earlier. This is one of the few things that we had somewhat planned. Ben has no idea what it is. I think... It's somewhat foolish, but immensely interesting, and so I think it's going to come up with some some cool dialogue. So let's see where this goes. Okay, so
0: this is this this is definitely a topic of conversation where Ben and I are going to be going back and forth, probably pretty yes. frequently. So anyway, this is something that are you are do you watch Rick and Morty?
2: Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen most of Rick and Morty. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm completely caught up on the new season, but that's it's a good show. Okay, so all I all I really need to
0: know is that you've s- at least seen Rick and Morty. Are you familiar with the tiny-verse theory? Yes. Okay, that pretty much takes out ninety percent of the explanation <laughs> <laughs> that I had to give to you. But pretty much what what the verse theory is for those of you who are not really familiar with it, he calls it a tiny verse, a teeny verse. <laughs>
2: well, there's like the it's the like tiny-verse, the tiny verse, the teeny verse, yeah. the microverse,
0: the mini verse, all the
2: layers like, of universe exa-
0: inside I'm, one another. Let's let's just keep it as tiny verse for now. Um. Hold on, I'm just gonna adjust one thing.
1: Yeah, so essentially what RJ was telling go. me before oh, okay. was that, what was it? It was almost like a school project. Well, I,
0: I was gonna, I was gonna do
1: the explaining. Okay, so you explained it. So I was just trying to fill yeah, time. Sorry, to I, RJ <laughs> something.
0: I just had to adjust the threshold on my expander gate. So any, uh, any actual engineers out there who know what I just did, if you can, uh, if you can tweet at us or something, I'm just so lonely. I have no Twitter notifications. Please just notify me. But uh, <laughs> continue <laughs> with your explanation. Uh, I, I don't know, bro. I'm just trying to be funny. Okay, <laughs> so. Basically what the whole theory is is that imagine our universe was inside of like a snow globe for lack of a better choice of words for not being able to give you a visual. So imagine our world's inside of a snow globe. That snow globe was obviously had to be created by something outside of the snow globe to build the world inside of the snow globe. Yeah. So imagine but imagine the people inside the snow globe don't don't know that they're inside the snow globe. It looks like they're their own floating in, in like, in a galaxy or whatever, but they're actually trapped inside. They're just created by something that's bigger outside that they don't even know about. So, basically, a couple of my friends and I were talking about this, like, a while back, and we were just trying to... I I guess we were just spitballing with the idea of it. Imagine if our universe revolved around that concept, where, like, there was another, like, another dimensional, greater being that put us inside of, like, like, basically made a little tiny-verse for us, a teeny-verse. On the show Rick and Morty, Rick powers his car battery by um, having these, basically, a race of people who live on a planet who, like, jump on these boxes that generate power, and they send that power out of his little teeny-verse snow globe-type thing to his car, powers his car. So, we don't have any anything that we're exporting, like, power-wise, but imagine if our, if our world existed
1: solely because something outside that we can't see. Created. So, essentially, what you're saying is that the tiny-verse theory is similar to that the world that we live in is a simulation exactly it's not necessarily it's not
0: necessarily a thing that was created on its own it's just something that was created by something else but we don't know why or where or where I don't know so kind of similar to the matrix I get, in a sense yeah in a sense yeah okay
1: okay Ben Ben let's hear what you have to say to try that's this. a really poor
0: explanation but like we can ex- we'll yeah, explore I feel like Ben would
1: be more articulate with
0: this yeah
2: with with what part of it.
0: All know. of it. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on this theory. So what do you like? Do you think there's any plausibility to this theory? I personally do not believe this is what's going on, but we were spitballing this idea. A couple of my friends and I, a couple
2: of, a couple of weeks ago. So, Is it is it possible? Here's here's maybe the first question plausible. that I've asked myself. Is it plausible mm-hmm. to prove, even if, like, assume that's the reality and we are trapped inside a micro universe that exists within a much bigger universe for whatever reason. Could you prove it? Even if it was true, how could you prove it?
0: I have no idea. I'm just, I just like throwing around I the I think that's the same. in the conversation. I
1: think the fact that you can't necessarily prove it almost makes it in a way more realistic. Because there's so many abstract things that we can't prove. We can't prove the existence of religion. We can't prove the existence of a god. We can't prove the existence of an afterlife. So the fact is, is that this is technically just as valid unless it can be disproven
0: where 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 i find it kind of funny is where we can draw parallels between this tiny verse theory and religion so imagine if so imagine if you and you and your friends had created a tiny verse. and there's a race of people that are... well first you started to trying to create some new beings and what did you, what did you make
1: well you dinosaurs some, some lizard shits that run around that don't really do no, nothing. no first we started with amoeba oh, sure, and yeah. <laughs> we worked our way up from there it's like a video game
0: you have, to, you have to constantly keep upgrading your, your little farm. I mean, yeah, we started
1: with started... unicellular organisms. Exactly. We went from there, and then we created multicellular bacteria, which and... then evolved into plankton and krill and other similar species, and eventually they turned into fish. And, and that, so on. They and, just leveled up. So yeah, exactly. Evolution is just leveling up. Exactly. So... <laughs>
2: What level do I learn flamethrower at? <laughs> um,
0: so we're already so, getting to the bionic limb stage. So I give it, when when will Elon Musk get involved in in, in the prosthetics? That's when you'll get a flamethrower. Elon Musk loves The boring throwers. company. <laughs> yeah, like, imagine you not, the boring company. Do not know who Elon
2: Musk is? Of course he knows. Of course I know is. who Elon Musk and is. And his love for flamethrowers? You can buy flamethrowers from a...
1: Actually, Elon Musk, he yeah. sells those. And I think this was on Joe Rogan's podcast with Elon Musk. He says, it explicitly says when it's shipped out, not a flamethrower to avoid any loopholes. Because apparently it's just, it's just, uh, in order for it to be classified as a flamethrower, it has to shoot fire beyond maybe five feet or something. And because it's within that sort of distance, it's not technically, it's just a really high powered lighter. (laughs) It's just a bad ass lighter. That's all. (laughs) But I want to smoke like 20
2: doobies at once.
1: (laughs)
0: Hold on. Why why is the distance necessary to define a between a
1: lighter and a flamethrower 5 fucking feet? <laughs> See, okay, I don't I, I don't know if that's actually it. I was just saying it okay. could be. RJ,
2: so I if don't you have know. to fight a guy with a flamethrower, do you want his flamethrower to work at 5 feet or do you want his flamethrower to work at 10 feet? Take obviously
0: obviously 5 feet. But what I'm saying is what, what why is like why is 5 feet like that's the distance that declaring like yeah, yo well, th- why is 21 the drinking age in the United to be a
1: huh? It's the same thing. Why is the drinking age 21 in the U.S.? Why is it 18 in Quebec? It's just an arbitrary number. I don't. I think it's just it's the line, uh, you know, right. because it's in order for things to be legal, they can't be gray for certain things like that. They have to be very black and white. So if it's under five feet, and I don't, I don't know exactly what can the distance someone is. needs to find that out. Ben can you be your google this is why
0: we need a google assistant we need uh, we need someone to figure but out what hold up we what got a legal shooting distance of fire we got to be we got a little bit <laughs> off off
1: no, track so let's let's go back to the point that you were saying about the is it the the, the tiny verse yes. and religion and how Kay. those sort of overlap
0: so Basically, where where imagine if you had you and your friends had this little globe. Obviously, you're gonna mess with the people inside of it. You have a little ra- race of, of people. You can realize, yo, they have no idea and no ability to re- to recognize that we are the ones fucking with them. Let's fuck with them. So they start sending down profits, start sending down people. that are just be like, ooh, look at this, water, wine, haha. And then they're just like, oh my god, whoa. And they just assume it's a god. It's like, or maybe maybe it was some sort of like, yo, you need to pass this this simulation, like the Matrix. And when once you wake up out of that, then you can join us in our world if we consider you good enough. So that that brings basically in that basically that ties together how Jesus or prophets could have gotten down there. Just people coming down, fucking with the people that are there, or they're fictional. Oh, that's also very possible. <laughs> I'm not just. Disp- I'm not. I'm not. Saying, no, no, no. I'm, just, I'm not saying any of this shit is fact. This oh, is just course, something we I came up with while like. I just want high. the listeners to so, know
1: that this is not necessarily your belief. No, not I don't it, want people oh, thinking you're on some no. crazy shit right yeah, now. Yeah, I
0: don't want people going to be like, "Oh my God, Roland Prince is the fucking craziest dude on the planet." Dumb. No, I don't actually believe in a tiny verse theory. But basically, if it did exist, it could describe how, like, imagine you wake up out of it, similar to the Matrix, and like they tell you, "Yo." If you're if you if you're good, then you can come and live with us in society. You pass the simulation. You pass the simulation, and you can come and live with us in in our in our you know, society.
1: But what if those people aren't aware that what they're living in is a, is the same thing? Well, that's the point of waking up. No, but you wake up. Oh, and, and then you're then you within. think what you're in? No, no. You wake up, and these people tell you, "Hey, you just won the simulation. You know, welcome to our kingdom. Welcome to this new world. After that's the after death." Yeah. And it turns out that those people aren't even aware that they themselves are in a simulation. A simulation, and, and it's just keeps going
0: inside a simulation. In- so they also play- they also did something like that on Rick and Morty, where they just had multiple. In- like, you never know is basically the thing. Unless you know what to look for, you never know. And know how the hell would you know what to look for? We're not in a simulation that we are aware of, and we don't know what to look for. So we- I guess. Even if you come out of a simulation, you'll never know if you're in a simulation or not. And like, I don't know. I don't know. What if, what if they? What if what if their technology in another dimension that created our dimension? What if what if they can take consciousness and put it into something else? So like the bodies that we are operating right now, they put consciousness into that. So it's not really a simulation. It's like you feel every. Well, I guess it's just a sentient. real realistic simulation. Yeah, you're sentient, and then like once you die. They take your 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 brain energy back, I guess, or
1: something. Your brain, your soul.
0: Yeah, I find it I find it kind of funny. Okay, I don't I don't know if this is true, but apparently you can see some sort of like life essence energy like leaving people's bodies when they die on cameras. But like I don't, I have I don't, no I don't, idea how true that is. I, I don't that, either because I don't watch videos of people
2: dying, so I don't
1: really look for soul ben energy leaving. Say something.
2: I've I've killed a lot of people in my time, <laughs> and I can tell you that it, it it just doesn't happen. People just die.
1: Facts. Yeah. Okay, at least now we have that. It, it, for don't, for don't us, secondhand, but for you, firsthand experience. Exactly, yes. Yeah. We have that to validate. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, have you ever played the video game Hitman? Yeah, that's
0: Ben. That's Ben. <laughs> ben never is Agent 47. Game. I've never played that game or even heard of it. So basically, in the game, it's you play hitman? as a clone, and the clone's only job is to be a Hitman, and like he just goes and kills a bunch of people. His name is Agent
1: 47,
0: and Ben is Agent 47.
1: Nice. Now, what do you think about the multiverse theory? How that every decision you could possibly make, the universe splits into whatever possible outcomes that were. And because everybody and everything in this universe that we live in can make so many different decisions, there's an infinite number of possibilities, an infinite number of universes that are out there. And new universes are being created every single time you make a decision.
2: Are they, though? Or, sorry, how how I guess random are the decisions that we make? That's oh, an
1: that's, you, could, you, could a, you could argue that this, we have,
0: that this whole thing was already laid down, and those those universes where we made those decisions have already been existent from,
1: for years. But Well, have you ever, like... I can bring back you up your point. Gone, how can we prove it? Have you ever gone and thought, like, what if the thoughts that I'm having, I believe that they're free thinking, but they're actually not? So it's almost not necessarily programmed within us to act and respond to a certain way, but what if in some weird way, neurologically speaking, that our decisions and our choices and our actions aren't actually free-thinking thoughts and they're extremely predictable? Does that
2: make sense? Predictable and like, like I can, I can predict something and get a good idea of what the outcome is actually going to be uh, without understanding the phenomenon
1: interesting can you elaborate further
2: like uh okay this is a this is a conversation that two of my coworkers were having i i work at an engineering firm so i don't know why they were having this conversation but uh why not why not exactly i don't know anything but working right um no it was it was during like our lunch break so one of these guys is um it was not during the lunch break he just doesn't want to get in trouble by his boss yeah puja if you're watching this right now uh it was during lunch break it's okay i'm not gonna name drop the people so it's fine um one of these guys is a little more, uh, a little more traditional, you know, um, like believes in God, theistic, you know, uh, goes to church, that kind of stuff. Uh, great guys, you know, both of them. The other one is uh, very much more of a like computers and numbers guy, analytical, know, critical guy. thinker, analytical guy, logical, and uh, he does a lot of work in um, actually like machine learning and AI and that sort of thing.
1: Ah, cool.
2: So, and they were having this conversation. Uh, about prediction. So coworker, co-worker number one, we'll call him Morty. Just, you know, <laughs> keep, keep with the theme. Keep with the theme. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to project any like traits of the Morty character onto this guy, because that's not true at all. But just anyway. a disclaimer. Um so Morty says to to Rick, this this is fitting. This is fine. We'll call the other guy Rick. Um <clears throat> Morty says to Rick, you know, you work a lot in prediction, but you know, there's some some behaviors that we just can't understand, you know, when uh when a friend, you know, lays down their life, um, for the sake of another one of their friends, that's an act that we can't understand, because it's truly and purely selfless.
1: Is it incapable of understanding, or currently can't understand?
2: But that's that's the thing; is it almost doesn't matter. And this was Morty, or this was Rick's argument. He says, "Well, I don't need to be, I don't need to understand the phenomena." in order to predict the outcome.
1: Hmm. I like he turns that. to
2: me and he says, I'm 99% sure that Ben would take a bullet for me.
1: <laughs> under, I don't know why. I,
2: I don't know why he'd do it, but based on like what I know about his character, like I can predict, I can predict this outcome. I'm reasonably certain that he would do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? I'm trying to work here. Like, you know,
1: but, uh, and then bullets start flying. You're just protecting everybody.
2: Yeah, you know me. Just a bullet bag, just catching them. Oh, but that's the thing is you you don't necessarily need to understand the background process um in order to predict the outcome.
1: I like that actually. I think it's you can recognize patterns within people enough and patterns within certain things that predicting outcomes isn't necessarily impossible. It just it's a game of probability. And if you can understand those probabilities at least vaguely, then you can make these predictions. But some people, I think, are just too stupid—like too stupid to make anything accurate, because they can't recognize patterns within people, within decisions, or within anything that's going on around them. The situational awareness is not always there in
2: some. I think that's a minority, though. That's very cynical of me. Just a little bit, eh? Yeah. But the 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 thing is, like, your brain is on some level a neural network like you have to you have to train it in order for it to make decisions on some level it, the whole thing is a neural
1: network no, no i wouldn't say on some level on an entirety that's what
2: i'm saying yeah okay the
0: entire brain is literally just dendrites and everything just branching all over
2: i was i was reading about years ago i was reading about this experiment there's no way i'll be able to pull it up because i totally forget what it was called um but these guys these researchers took like some random subject people and they put them in. I think it was an MRI machine, and you can see kind of see like different areas of people's brains light up when that area becomes active. Yeah. So they they I don't I don't maybe it wasn't MRI. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Could be an
1: electrocardiogram. Actually, before you say anything, we need to have Chase Grew on this podcast. Oh, 100%. He would have so much. Chase is a buddy of mine and Ben, and he is like top of the class. Did he go to All Saints? Yeah. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like top of the class in uh, neuroscience and mental health at Carleton. And he just loves this stuff, and he has so many interesting stories and things to say about the brain, the mind, and all these other it's things. His major, I'd hope so. Well, it, it's it's even beyond his major. It's just he has so much interest in it as well, and I think he'd it's be his able major, to provide I hope so. <laughs> it's no, but it's it's so much beyond just like it being his major. You know, like this guy really, really is into this stuff. But but that's the reason why you should be taking a major.
0: Cause yeah, you're but really that's into not the it.
1: case with most people. That, that's the problem. What I'm saying,
0: he's doing it right. That's all. He okay, has his yeah. life shit figured out. He's doing what he wants. True.
2: True. That's, that's the thing about taking mechanical engineering as a major in university. I love what I'm doing, but nobody who's not doing it wants to hear about it. <laughs> True. Like, can you imagine if I just, these guys had me on and I just spent like an hour talking about hydraulic power systems? Next 60 seconds. Go. Uh, to be honest, if I understood that stuff better, I wouldn't what's, have to what's be procrastinating my What's a topic all my homework. that
1: RJ and I could use some education about that you've learned about within your, your past tenure
2: mm.
1: at Carleton and you have 60 seconds to educate us, us and the listeners as much as possible. I will set a timer. Yeah. We've got, we've got a timer going, whether that's solids. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you learn, but physics. I don't know.
2: Give me a give me a topic. Be more specific. I don't know your topic. This is too broad. Just say I, something.
1: I, I, like, Anything that the, you
0: know more about because you went to school. Yeah. That you pick. can talk about for 1 minute. You uh, know more than we would know. Uh, metals. Uh, we, can we talk about metals. Oh, okay. I, 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 <laughs> there I have we a good go. I'm right. Hold up. Hold,
2: hold up. All right. Your time starts now. So let's uh we can talk about this might actually be interesting to some people. We can talk about why the Titanic sank. Let's go way real quick. You got 50
1: seconds. I got 50
2: seconds. So Basically, uh, certain metals, steels especially, they're very commonly used in engineering for a lot of different ap- applications because of how versatile they are. Uh, but most steels have something called a ductile to brittle transition temperature. Jesus Christ. So normally, steel is what we call a ductile material. So if you, uh, if you impact it, um, it'll deform quite a bit uh, before it actually starts to crack and fail and tear apart. Um, 25 seconds? At, at a certain lower temperature it'll lose that property and become more brittle uh so if something hits it it might crack uh, and since the titanic was sailing, sailing in the atlantic ocean uh fairly far north the temperature of the water was actually below that ductile to brittle transition temperature five seconds so when the boat hit the iceberg the the metal couldn't absorb the impact and it, it ripped apart no matter how many buoyant compartments you had okay the failure was just catastrophic and it sank And then they didn't have enough lifeboats and some other, you know, fairly important things happened. So let's
1: see how much I learned. So essentially, I'm not going to use the correct terms.
2: That's fine. I probably didn't either.
1: But essentially, certain metals, when there is a force exerted on them, they will bend, break, or be manipulated in different ways. Some, I would say, like rubber, for example. Rubber's not a metal, but... No, but as a material... As a material, rubber, when you hit it, when it breaks, it breaks in a less abrupt way than steel, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, it, it deforms, so it can tolerate more change in its shape before it starts to crack.
1: Yes, okay, so that's a perfect way to describe it. And then at lower temperatures, that threshold decreases?
2: Exactly, so it's it's actually a, a fairly rapid transition. Um, at a At a certain temperature, the property of the material material will change very quickly from ductile to brittle with so, that decrease in temperature. So when this
1: happened, when the Titanic sank, were was this known in science, or did it take an event like this for it to be known?
2: No, it, it really wasn't well understood. Um, they used a lower quality steel than they should have, mm. uh, but no, that phenomenon really wasn't understood. So
1: they didn't know that the steel that they were using was lower quality than other high quality options?
2: I think they knew it was lower quality. They chose it presumably because it was cheaper. So Uh, they knew it
1: was cheaper, but they didn't necessarily understand why it would be lower
2: quality. I believe that's the case,
1: yeah. Ah, so it was an engineering and structural failure. As opposed to the iceberg just being a badass.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. If the the, uh, hull was better designed with a better material, it might not have sank. Or it may have sank slower. That's, yeah, that's another huge thing, too. Yeah. So... With the rise of popularity
0: of the Titanic 2 setting sail on the exact same route that the original Titanic. Route or route. Route. What whatever the fuck it is. I don't give a fuck. It's
2: definitely route. Okay. Route. In North America.
1: When I hear route, I think router. When I hear root, I think tree roots.
2: I'm pretty sure route is a verb to route. You route something. You don't root something. But you take a route. Not Listen a route. to his words. This is why we have you on the on the pod. Again, I could be wrong, but I sound like I know what I'm saying, so it's good. Anyway, that's all we need. Back to
0: Titanic Two. I pulled up some of the information on it. And this is just what I'm getting off Google. If any of this is flawed, please uh, call me out. But it's definitely, uh, it's definitely looking, looking all factual. Anyway, Google hasn't let me down before. Titanic Two is a planned ocean liner intended to be a functional modern day replica of the original Olympic Class RMS Titanic. The new ship is planned to have a gross tonnage of fifty six thousand. While the original ship measured about 46,000 grossed register tons. Oh, that's not the information I wanted.
1: But if it doesn't sink, how is there going to be a movie made about it?
0: Um, I really don't think there's going to be a movie made about it. But, <laughs> but, hold on. Do you think that they have taken the things that you have just brought up about steel and its ductility and how it's getting <laughs> changed in different temperatures... I think they've taken that into account this time. Uh, don't even answer absolutely, that. Yes, yes, obviously. absolutely <laughs> they have. It's
1: it's what literally. What a dumb question, <laughs> bro! That, don't even answer. What a dumb question. Do you think these people are gonna try and sink this big motherfucking ship? Because it's like, what? How many millions of dollars are they spending on this thing?
0: How many millions of dollars did they spend in the last one?
1: Yeah, and it sink. Look at the result. Obviously, they don't want to repeat the results. It, it, it would, uh they might. It would. They, yeah. It might make a good movie. It'd make a fantastic movie. It.
0: They'd probably make all the doors wider so that like two people could fit on them.
1: That's like that's a, literally the same question as being like, do you think they're gonna have even less like say, like boats, emergency boats on the ship because that's what they had on the original?
0: But if they think this one isn't going to sink because they've taken precautions, they might
2: actually have less boats on the ship.
1: <laughs> no, they won't. Legally, they won't.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's the reason why we have those sorts of laws. Um, Is because of the this. Because this kind Titanic. of stuff happens. Yeah, nah, they just want the, they, just, uh, they just want more movie rights. I think <laughs> right now um, to get your like ship insured, it legally has to be made of the proper material. You can't you can't build a ship out of the same bamboo. quality material uh, and actually get insurance, which you need to sail it. There's like a register
1: on a very slightly topical but mostly random note here's a question are rafts boats uh
2: they're not ships but they're boats I don't know
1: are they is it is it is this a situation where all rafts are boats but not all boats are rafts yes I don't think a, a I don't think a boat can be a raft. what yeah it's that's the question is are rafts
2: boats? I think boats is a broad category it, that can d- be yeah. divided into ships, Anything rafts, that floats and that you can ride on boats.
0: is technically a boat.
1: That's what I was wondering. Or is I didn't know if rafts would be considered their own category outside of boatages. I don't, I don't, what, what about dinghies? Are dinghies rafts or are dinghies boats?
2: Dinghies are boats? A dinghy is like a small boat.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. Okay. I'm gonna go with dinghies or boats. Uh, I think anything
0: that can float that you can ride on is a boat. Like, well, is a surfboard a flotation no, device? It, no, that's a a board. kayak's a boat. A kayak's a boat, hundred percent. It's made, and it looks like a boat. Technically, a
2: surfboard is just like a a, a well-designed a stand raft,
1: up, stand-up paddleboard. Is up that bro. a boat? It's a flat boat, or is it just a board? I
0: mean, like class... the board is floating. And hold on, I'm gonna look up the actual or is it definition a of boat.
2: Or is yeah. it a? We, we need it... the, the complete etymology of the word boat. That's a great word.
0: Oh, I typed in b pet.
2: But
1: yeah, is is stand are rafts are stand-up paddleboards, rafts. Okay, okay, okay. And are rafts boats. A small vessel propelled
0: on water by oars, sails, or an engine. So a stand-up paddleboard is considered a boat, but a surfboard is not a boat.
1: Well hold on, I'm gonna look up the definition of raft. But yeah, so a surfboard would not be a boat under that definition, because it is propelled by arms. Not by ores or by engines or by other means.
2: But in that scenario, isn't your arm just a funky oar?
1: I think oar has to specifically be a tool that is used. There has to be some sort of... You're ex- using your arm as that tool.
2: What if you have a prosthetic no. limb? That's tool.
1: <laughs> no, that's not a
0: natural. But an oar is not a natural tool. No,
1: but I think, I think naturally an oar is something that was created and crafted to be an aid... By oh. humans, just as an I, I don't env- know where you oh. think
2: prosthetic limbs come from. Someone had to make them. Yeah, but it's meant
1: to be a limb. It's purpose, but it's
0: it just like an oar. Someone made it that. But it's it's it's, it's meant to be a limb. Okay, and an oar was meant to be a tree limb, but we made it into an oar. Like yeah, but an oar is
1: not meant to be a human arm or a human leg. That's the difference.
2: Okay, I'd argue that human arms and legs were the first oars. Ah <laughs> ha.
0: Okay, hold on. This is kind of interesting. The wor- The definition for raft has the word boat in it. But a flat. Uh, the definition of raft is a flat, buoyant structure of timber or other materials fastened together used as a boat or floating platform.
1: So it is a boat.
0: So it's used as a boat.
1: But is it a boat?
2: Yes.
0: It floats. You're standing on it. You're sitting on it. You're floating on it. It's a boat. If I
1: put wheels on a snowboard and I use it in escape... Skate park, does that make it a skateboard or is it a snowboard? It's a snowboard with wheels. There you go. So a raft is not a boat under that logic, but, but that's not where we're talking. But you said floats. you're using uh, it rides. Okay, it has wheels on it. I guess I
0: understand, <laughs> but like still, it's like we're talking about boats and skateboards. They're very different. The
1: premise of the, of right. the question is still the same. I guess you're using something as a boat. Does that equate it to a boat? You're using something as a skateboard. Does that equate it to a skateboard?
0: I guess, technically, under We're, that logic, getting yeah. into
2: a, like, epistemological... Ep- ep- fuck, this word is long. Epistemology... <laughs> epistemological. epistemological arguments about how we actually define the nature of things. This is like Plato and Aristotle stuff, man.
1: This has been a very philosophical pod today. Philosophicast.
2: Wow. The Titanic sunk because, uh, the forms. It (laughs) hit some shit.
1: Because of icebergs, man. Duh. Iceland? Iceland. Are there people? Because, like, here's... And this is going to be an interesting segue into a different topic. So we're going to talk about conspiracies now. Yes. Because this is where I think things get really interesting. All right. Let's do it. So... Are there people, because I haven't seen it, but maybe because I haven't done the research, but are there titanic deniers in the same way that there are holocaust deniers? There are holocaust deniers? You've never heard of this.
0: What the, who, 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 no, I've never heard of someone denying something that actually happened.
1: I would say it's at least as prominent as flat, flat earthers. Really? 100%. There are so many people that deny the holocaust. Are these people from Germany? No. I will, I mean, probably some of them. But they're from all over the world. They're the least educated part of society, from major what? countries. Yeah,
0: I'm. I, I actually have no words for these people. Yeah, it's it's a legit thing. There's Holocaust deniers, like like flat Earth. It's like are okay, whatever. You really want to believe that, whatever. But like, how can you deny the Holocaust? You want to deny nine eleven? Fine. Well, not deny
1: that. Like like argue that it was staged. Fine.
0: You can't argue the Holocaust. Here's
1: my problem with people that deny the the Holocaust, and I think it's exponentially worse because of the fact that it's 2018 than it would be in the 1970s and the 1980s. It's because our generation, the people, um, you could even say the millennials and the Gen Ys, we are the last generations of people that are going to grow up actually having met or possibly having met a World War II veteran or a Holocaust survivor. And what that that's just, it's a dangerous thing, because if we forget that part of history, then there's literally no one alive in this world to validate that this actually happened. There's no one alive with the tattoos on their wrists that have their numbers, that these people were treated almost as, like, literally like worse than objects, and as products. So that's what I think is really dangerous about that sort of movement, is because when you deny history that much, and so many generations have passed, then the evidence becomes less and less compelling, which is why history classes are so important. And that's why education of our history is essential.
2: I, To be honest, I'm incredibly skeptical that like, the Holocaust denial movement, whatever you want to call it, will actually get to the point where the majority oh, of people don't believe in the holidays.
1: Oh, I don't think it's a majority, but with any sort of movement, there's always that really loud minority that can't shut up and tends to take up a lot of media attention, tends to get a lot more exposure than they deserve and just has a bigger platform than what they should.
0: So you're saying in like 50, 60 years, there's a possibility of having a, a larger now like because it will have that time to grow from where it is now there'll be a larger group of people who deny the Holocaust ever happened strictly because since it's happened so long ago, there's not enough proof to prove it happened.
1: I think there's, oh, there's plenty of proof. That's what I'm it's saying. not a lack of proof. It's the fact that these people don't actually have physical human beings to, to tell their stories or to show the scars on their bodies we, or we, to see they, their tattoos. We've never met
0: an Inca, but we have like, we, we know a bunch about them,
1: yeah, but there's a lot of people that deny that they ever existed too.
0: Where there's literal temples you can go and visit.
1: Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Then, like, fuck those people. Like, those people are just, like... like... No, I agree. I just think it's a... It's it's never going to be a majority belief. At least I hope. But I don't think it ever will be. The problem I see with it is that a lot of these minority beliefs that are just so horrible and so horrid tend to get blown out of proportion by them being so loud. So, white supremacists are not that common in general society, but they're common enough because they're so loud that one, they can recruit more people that are very un- undereducated and feel marginalized. And two, there's there's enough of them out there that they can have some sort of platform, if that makes sense.
0: I think the only reason why that platform for for white nationalists or white supremacists is high is because a lot of them or at least some of them that are that are actually getting a lot of like traction publicly have a position that's higher up not strictly based upon what their beliefs are like let's say well they own a news network they can put the videos on the news network they can sway with the news that they put on their channel towards something but I think belief, that goes but... back
1: to our first podcast when we were talking about new digital media. And so you get the Alex Joneses of the world, who I wish we could have his sound bites because they're so freaking funny. They're turning the frogs gay. That guy. So. <laughs> is that a genuine quote? Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, this guy's, He's officially been kicked off of Twitter. Officially being kicked off he's of Twitter. He's officially off of Twitter uh, for his remarks about how. Um, Sandy Hook survivors as well as Parkland survivors of these school shootings are paid crisis actors. And so what happens is you get these people that deny so much. They're still a minority, but when they, one, have platforms such as the internet to send their ideas out into scale, it does make it a little bit easier for the marginalized, for the less educated, and for the kind of just stupid people to absorb that sort of content and feel like it means something to them. And so what I'm worried about is the fact that you're not going to have these stories being passed down from actual survivors anymore in the next 10 to 20 years, that these people are going to deny things even further and use these new media platforms to kind of push that agenda. And they're never going to be a majority idea, but it is going to increase, I think. And that's really sad. And I think a lot of that goes back to the struggles that, we have with history education and because history in most courses in most grades when you take it it's almost like an elective it's kind of like a filler course but I don't think it's one of those things that people grasp the actual importance of it because the easiest way not to repeat history is to understand what's happened and that's what a lot of people are neglecting that's why you're seeing more nationalism rise in the United States because people aren't respecting what's happened in the past. And that's, I think, also the same with business. So if you want to look at trends that are coming up in the future, you have to look at human behavior and how that works. So certain styles tend to come back every 20 to 30 years, whether that's musically. like For example, Bruno Mars right now sounds a lot like he came out of the 80s because that sort of music is cyclical and it comes around. So that's kind of a lot I've been saying, but I hope that all makes sense, I think.
2: Right. Well, I think the the thing is now, you know, yeah, we see like cycles of certain trends and behaviors throughout history for sure. Um, but technology is changing in a completely different way. And it's completely changing the way that we inter- interact with each other as well as with the world. Yes. And the, the thing about all this crazy fringe stuff that seems so much more prominent, you know, no one was talking about flat earth five years ago. At least some people probably were, but you didn't hear them. Now it's like a global phenomenon. Not everyone believes.
1: Yeah, there's flat earthers all around the globe. Um,
0: Say that just slower. Sorry, did you say there's flat earthers all around the globe? Yes, that's the joke. Yeah, you
2: you got the joke. Uh Congratulations. Um, Sorry, that was mean. (laughs) You're my favorite, RJ. Um, Love you, bro. But because the thing is, no one goes on YouTube and types in, average person saying reasonable things <laughs> that's not entertaining it's not interesting that's one of the reason why these crazy ass people have so much traction is because people it's like you know remember a friday by rebecca black yeah people went and watched it because it was weird and not very good and kind of crazy apparently she's making decent music games. yeah someone told know. me that recently but you know people go to the internet to see crazy things and that's, I think that's one of the big reasons why these people are getting so much more traction than they used to. Yes. They're they're popular.
1: I think pop culture has always been like that. The crazy always stands out. And I think that's, whether that's in politics, if you look at Donald Trump, I think that's a big reason why Trump got elected is because he was so different and to many seemed so crazy that naturally people gravitated towards that message because it told their story, whatever that story they were feeling is, and it made them connect with that because when things are so outlandish, you can almost connect with them more.
0: He's a character. Yes. He's just and just and life is just a story. He's a character that's people connect with. That's all it is.
1: Yes, hundred percent. And I think that's an important thing to know, whether that's in business, in history, in politics, is that it's the best storytellers that win. If you can tell your story through Oh Jesus Christ through through voice cracks and and puberty. Um, but no, if you can tell your story through whatever medium you can by connecting with people's emotions, by creating characters and and making them feel certain ways, then you're gonna be incredibly powerful. That's how the rise of Hitler happened, because he made people feel like how in the beginning of the 1930s where Germany was in a very tough economic situation, he put the blame on somebody in a group of people and these demographics and even psychographics of people. When you put the blame on these people, you're empowering those that can't find answers themselves. And to me, that's where things get dangerous. And that's going back to my point about these Holocaust deniers, is that messages can be spread less because of fact, and more because of feeling, and that is why I think that movement is never going to be majority, but I think it is going to
2: grow. Well, there's a there's a famous don't even ask me why I'm bringing this up. There's a famous Joseph Stalin quote. I don't know if you know it, <laughs> oh my God. but he says, um, "One death is a tra- something like this. I'm paraphrasing. Whatever. One death is a tragedy, but a million deaths is just a statistic." Yeah, people hear you know a million people died, and they can't relate to it. What a, what a narrative, whether it's true or not, does is it gives people the ability to connect. Yes. People like narratives because they're easy. They explain things. They simplify the world. But the reality is the world is really complicated. And mm-hmm. any event, especially in history, that happens is way too multifaceted to really condense down into a simple narrative. Yes.
1: And that's where storytelling comes in because the best, the best storytellers are the ones that connect with their audience the best the ones that make you feel those emotions when they want you to feel those emotions, the ones that, when they speak, know exactly when to make you laugh, exactly when to make you feel sad, and exactly when to empower you. Those are the people that end up doing exactly what they want because they can either, A, understand human behavior enough that they can kind of change people's perceptives about whatever topic they're talking about or themselves, or B, they're manipulate, manip- know how to manipulate
2: people. But that's the entirety of politics. Yeah, and it's scary. That's like that's just what happens as soon as you you have people whose entire career is to be a politician. Mm-hmm. That's what they have to be good at in order to succeed. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to knock these people. That's, no, the no, skill set that they need to it's have is and
1: like, yeah, charisma is the perfect word for it because they some manipulate, some are charismatic, some are in between. And this trouble that a lot of people have is finding out who does what. You know, who who is the one that just bleeds charisma? You know, is that, I don't know, to, to a lot of people, is that Trudeau? Or to a lot of people, he's manipulative. It all depends on your perspective. And I think that's, it almost comes back to the individual. How, how do you read people? How do you, how do you make those assumptions? How do you make those predictions that we were talking
2: about earlier? he's tying it all together now. Look at this guy go in for a full loop. That's what I try to do. I'm pretty proud of myself right now. All right, all right. I'll buy it. Yeah,
1: see, what would you say is an example of a story recently that has compelled you to some extent? Whether that's on YouTube that you've seen, whether that's within biking or skiing, whether that's in politics. And it's either, has it compelled you or have you noticed that it's been compelling for other
2: people to help influence decisions? That's a. I'm gonna have to think about that for thirty seconds. That's yeah. a tough one.
0: Thirty sec. You want you want thirty seconds of thinking time? Oh god, this seconds. guy is actually
2: gonna pull out the 30 timer.
1: Thirty seconds of think- literally thinking time. Wait, wait. 30 seconds. Do you do you have anything, RJ? Because you've been you've been a little quiet
0: today. Oh, uh, not really, to be honest. No, like I'm. I, I try and stay out of the news
1: and try and stay out of. Like unless it doesn't unexpected. necessarily need to be news. It could literally be cartoons. It's any form of storytelling that you have found has been compelling, whether that's to you emotionally compelling to make you make a decision, compelling okay. to make you think something differently, or to contemplate things. Okay, I would
0: also like to take thirty seconds. If that's
1: okay. Interesting. Okay, so I'll I'll just. Keep. I have a thirty second timer
0: pulled up with Jeopardy music behind it. So uh, here we go.
1: Now, remember, this could be from your philosophy textbook, an idea that you've been pondering or reading about. This could be something you've learned in class. This could be something you've noticed in Morgan, perhaps. This could be something you've noticed just out on the street or at work. You just have to think about something that has connected with you. Either of you. You've got Do do.
0: And we're back. Um... To be honest, in that thirty seconds, I was just jamming to the music. <laughs> I didn't get too much thinking done. Um, but I do, I do do a lot of reflect, reflecting on my life, and and there isn't necessarily a narrative that I've connected with that's really helped me like focus on what it is that I need in my life. But there's actually been another person that I've been talking to. There's a, fr- a friend that I've that I've met more recently that we've been you talking. to call. You gotta call her out. Why am I going to call her out? No, I'm not going to call her
1: yes, out. Yes, you do. That's part of the pod. <laughs> no. Nah. That is part... If you if you are mentioning somebody on on this podcast, you've got to call them out. That's what we did with Itza. <laughs> Why'd you gotta out her like that? Okay, fine. Her name is Ariana. She is
0: one of, is one of my best friends. And basically, she really helped me realize that... It just basically take control of what it is that I'm doing with my life. and Well, not really doing with my life. Sorry. The people that I have in my life. The people that I'm giving time to. You know that, that what I was talking about last time. And you called me cynical, but... <laughs> the the whole concept of making sure that I fill my bucket with my own love and, yes yeah, that was that was her advice that she that she gave me uh, at least part of some of the advice she gave me. I I explained it very poorly she's much more eloquent than I am but possible
1: be, guest in the future
0: definitely a possible guest you have met her before she's a good talker she can, yeah she is yeah so she would definitely be interesting on the podcast but basically to to summarize what she what what something that she's done for me is it's just really helped me realize. That I don't need to have validation from others. I don't really need anything outside of myself to be the best self that I can. And when I am the best self that I that I am, and I know that sounds really like weird, like oh, like yeah, I gotta be my best self. Really preachy, but when you actually be, quote unquote become your, or sorry, become your best quote unquote self, um, then that's when that's when good things come to you. That's when that's when opportunity comes your way and comes looking for you because you're not. You're out. Yes, you're out there looking for it. You're still doing your part, doing your job, and and going out and looking for things that you need. You're you're applying to what it. You're applying your skills to get the the things that you want in the future. But um, you're you're not necessarily like you're putting you're putting out what like you're putting out positive. You're getting in positive. Like you're you're actively going after things. But when you have that mentality of I'm not necessarily caring about uh, like I'm focused on my career. I'm doing my thing. I'm not caring about having a significant other. They'll see that. They'll come into your life and then you'll you'll realize it's a positive situation. I think it's usually. all about maturity too, and that yeah, that's that, that part cut, of what it, it develops.
1: That. But I think what I'll try and take with what you're saying, because it is a great message, but what I wanna add, and I think this can bring a lot of <laughs> if you didn't see you didn't see, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you didn't see <laughs> But ben if you and can RJ see just let it ear a little holes. bro hug.
1: But no, I think what I wanna add to that, because I think this can bring a lot of value to anybody listening, is how was she describing these things? How was she being endearing enough to make you feel as compelled to follow this sort of path? Like, almost specifically, you know, how was she either storytelling? How was she describing these things to you? Because a lot of it is, like, anybody can explain what has happened to them, but it's a lot more difficult to explain how, if that clears things up.
0: I, I, I guess... I don't know with her it's just the fact that I know her the fact that I know the way that like I are, like I know things about her. We've been friends for a while and I just I I it's, it's not so much as the way she phrased things that made me believe it. It's the it's that on top of the on top of the fact that I know her and I know where her understanding is rooted in, where and where it was And she knows
1: you and knows how to mm. explain things to you in exactly. a way that's going to have the message well received
0: because that conversation wasn't meant for anyone else other than me like what she was the words leaving her mouth were made for my ears and that was very poetic and they're going to be understood by my brain better than anybody else because they were literally made for me and i i can't remember all the words exactly but i didn't i don't need to i remember the message that's behind them so that's i don't know it's hard so i i don't know what ears are gonna be listening to this so i can't really cater my message too well towards them if i no, but, but I, I tr- I'm was, trying. It's just I, I think that was a
1: good response.
0: It was honest. Now, right. uh but yeah, no. in terms of actually having a narrative that I followed, that really that I feel exemplified in, or sorry, exemplified, or um, I, I identify with. Yeah, there's not really, it's not really too much. So I I haven't been watching too many narratives.
2: That's fair. Now, Ben. Yo, have you thought about it? Oh man, I was just listening to RJ. Yo, I wasn't thinking about anything. All right, um, if you want to talk about a narrative, uh, that I quite recently. You know, connected with uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender is on Netflix right Perfect now. Perfect example. That's I just like finished, I just finished. Just finished High quality that. show. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor and watch Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's on Canadian Netflix right now. I this isn't just nostalgia factor. I didn't watch it as a kid. I watched it for the first time when I was 19 years old, and that is a fantastic show. I cannot praise it enough. Anyway
1: yeah so what was it like about the story and the characters that made you compelled to to care about it?
2: well there's one uh there's one character in particular who's kind of like a wise old man figure and uh some of the things that he says to some of the other characters about life and about understanding like who you are and how to deal with adversity in your life.
1: so he's like a Dumbledore character
2: very much so yeah,
1: okay and what does he
2: say? There's uh there's one quote in in particular uh, that really stuck with me. So part of the part of the show centers around this one character, uh, Prince Zuko. Prince Zuko. And he's uh, he's the like banished prince of the Fire Nation, and his his father. So the the Fire Nation is at war with all the other nations, and uh, the Fire Lord, the king of the Fire Nation, who's you know heading up this war, has banished his son and he says you know the only reason the only way you can regain your honor is to go capture the avatar who's the hero of the story and has to fight the fire nation capture the avatar and bring him back to our nation and that's the only way you can regain your honor and regain your pride and there's uh there's this one conversation between uh prince the banished prince and his uncle and his uncle says zuko i'm paraphrasing again but it's fine um Pride, he's talking about. I need, I need to capture the avatar, regain my pride, regain my honor. And uh, Iroh, this character says, "Pride is not the antidote to shame; it is its source. Ah! Only through true humility can we come to be free of shame." I really think that's weird. beautiful. Yeah, that's
1: like a perfect example.
2: Wow! It's like you know, I gotta, I gotta check myself. You know, be and be humble, and kind of let let those things that I'm ashamed of go.
1: Yeah. And I think I agree with that because I think the only way you can feel proud of yourself is to have two things. It's one to have the humility to recognize that, you know, like you, you have it good, but that doesn't discredit the people around you. And two, to be grateful, grateful for everything that you've been given, everything that you've earned and everything that's in your life. And to me, that's a, like definitely a message I can relate with a lot. And that goes back to what... Oh my god, I keep hitting this. See, it's not just me, it's him now. Like, we've traded powers. But RJ and I, a couple weeks ago on the bus from Toronto, were talking about how if you want to achieve almost anything in life, you have to have, an equilibrium, a balance between ego and humility. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying. So you have to have the humility to recognize that you don't have... You aren't better than anybody else because you have something, whether that's an ability or something tangible, but you also have to have the ego to recognize, I have so much potential within my life, and you have to make sure those things balance out. That's something that at least the two of us, and I know you well enough that you are also, and Morgan too, this guy, on a side note, is in the most healthy relationship of anyone I've ever met, almost have five years, so shout out to Morgan because you guys are like my faves.
2: She's the best. She makes yeah. cookies. That's oh, why I'm every time. T-
1: that's that's why I'm just shouting her out because I want more cookies. So Morgan, if you're listening, that's advice
0: to all y'all ladies. Just make your man cookies and he'll stay with you for it.
1: But Yeah. So I think I think a big part of life and something that's been very important for me to realize the past like six months is is understanding that balance between ego and humility, where it's you have to recognize your potential, recognize the things that you can accomplish, but at the same time be grounded by knowing that maybe because for speaking for someone like RJ, like he has very high musical aptitude. You're, you naturally are very auditory listener. You love music. The writing process to you has come not extremely difficult. Um, not easy, I should say, but not nothing super incredibly challenging. Yeah. And so you recognize the potential you have within that, but also know that as of right now, I am not the musician I want to be. I am not the rapper or the producer or anything. You you recognize that how much you still have to learn and I think that's a, a big thing. Knowing that you're currently in your current state, high potential and currently really, really great at what you do, but also having the humility to recognize that there's still so much more to learn.
0: Well it's it's like it's like this. This is the best analogy I can think of on the spot, but you are full of like basically you're a rock at the top of a hill and there's a smaller rock wedging you on the top of that hill you have so much potential energy you could go down that hill you could fuck everything up down that hill you could do it you could you could launch down the hill take trees out but you need to get that speed going and you Mm -hmm. can't get that speed going because there's that little rock underneath you that's blocking you whatever that may be that could be that could be something different for everybody but you got to understand you have potential but you're not moving yet so don't expect anything you just got to understand what you are where you are what you're doing and figure out how to get that rock out from under you and then then you start rolling rolling prince oh shit oh (laughs) no that was that was pretty good
1: yeah and i think that kind of wraps up the total time on this podcast but how i want to end today is an open-ended question for ben and the audience ben being the guest and that is in 30 seconds, what is your opinion on the multiverse?
0: Oh, God. We're we trying it all back. <laughs> this is
2: We tried so hard to talk about that and got completely distracted away from it. because that, That's the concept couldn't of this entire show. I couldn't really though. think of anything good to say about the multiverse. I think eventually we will reach the last universe, the biggest universe. I think that's our purpose. We
1: will reach our final Do destination. Do you
2: think we 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 all just exist inside of a nesting doll of
0: universes? I like think that's just the just question. A universe for the inside of a universe inside of a universe. Is it just simulations inside of simulations inside of simulations? Is it religion? Did the you outside know, u- is it is there is there a god? Did all the outside universes create the universes inside of them, and so on and so on? Is this even a universe? Can Maybe the
2: it- entire universe be represented by something simpler than itself, or is the universe? The only way to express the universe,
1: and I think that's where we're in today. That's a question for y'all. So if you listened this far, thank you very much. Thank you, Benjamin, Eric, Jones, Gavin, Green, for joining this podcast as our first guest ever on the Whole Lot of Nothing show. It's it's been weird, but it's been fun. Until next time, goodbye.